you know, there are those who really, with legalism, when they read the Old Testament, they take it and they make it the standard for righteousness, the standard for salvation. They say, well, if you don't keep all these commandments, if you don't keep all these laws, if you don't keep this way of living, then you're lost, right? Or you've lost your salvation or you're no longer righteous. You know, that is certainly one uh, extreme. But then, you know, in this other camp, in this other ditch, you know, and I think a lot of our, our people who come into the revelation of grace, they struggle to see what is the relation to the Old Testament. Now, I'm not talking about the Old Covenant, right? I'm, the Old Covenant's been done away with. The Old Covenant's been made obsolete. I'm referring to the Old Testament. Uh, so there are those who, you know, they realize, hey, we're no longer under the Old Covenant. We're no longer, uh, that's no longer the standard of righteousness. So the, the, ten the tendency is to just throw out the Old Testament. And we don't want to do that, right? When, when Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15 to rightly divide the word of truth, a lot of people take and say, well, that means this part of the Bible's for you and that part's not. That can't be what Paul had in mind because then when we get to 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, for all Scripture is inspired of God. Right? So just in the, it's like he said, rightly divide the word of truth. And then in the next breath, he said, but all of the, the Scriptures are uh, applicable to you. They're valuable for you. So we really want to find uh, this balance, right? We, we want to be able to go to the Old Testament and draw truths out with the understanding that the commandments and the laws of the Old Testament, of the Old Covenant, do not make us righteous, right? With the understanding that, that the blessings and the curses of the Old Testament, uh, that's not the way it works for us today. It's not do good, get good, do bad, get bad, right? That is not the New Covenant. So we, here, here's a truth that I, I talk about a lot, and it sounds bold, and for some people it's hard to stomach. But I believe that everything in the New Testament, everything written in the New Testament, was already recorded in the Old Testament in some form. Now, it might have been in type. It might have been in shadow. It could have been a direct commandment. It might be found in a feast, like what we're going to talk about today. But some way or another, everything taught in the New Testament can be found in the Old Testament. And where do I get that from? Listen to this, Acts 26, verse 22. So this is the Apostle Paul speaking, the Apostle of Grace, the one who received this wonderful revelation of the new covenant and grace. He comes along and he says here, he says, Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come. So Paul stands up here and he says, listen, everything that I'm saying, everything I'm talking about with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, our place in him, the fact that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, um, even the mysteries that he expounded on, he's saying, listen, those things were already in Moses and the prophets. Right, and you've often, you've probably every one of us have heard the saying that in the Old Testament it's concealed, in the New Testament it's revealed. So that's correct. So what we want to to be able to do is to go back to the Old Testament with the same mindset that the New Testament writers had when when they read. So for example, when Paul says there, all Scripture is inspired by God. In his mind, he was not referring to Romans. You know, he was not referring to Acts. He was not referring to First and Second Corinthians, right? Because they didn't have those letters. He was referring to Genesis through Malachi. So the the old the New Testament writers, when they went back to the Old Testament, they didn't see this. They they, they were able to go with this this in Christ filter, these, these new covenant glasses on, and they were able to read the Old Testament, and what they came away with is what we call today the gospel, right? They, they knew how to read it, rightly divide it, and, and discovered how to apply it to their own lives today, how to apply it to their teaching. And we need to learn uh, to do the same things. We need to go to the Old Testament, we need to read it with our hearts established in the new covenant and draw these gospel truths um, out of it. So what we're going to discuss today, like I said, I, I titled this message, Preparing Your Heart for Your Best Year Yet. But what we're actually going to talk about is leaven. 
And you may say, well, what does that have to do with my heart? What, was that ha- what does that have to do with my new year? What does that have to do with bettering my life in any way? And um, you're, you're, you're going to find out. So the leaven, the truth about leaven is established in the Old Testament. But the New Testament brings it up many times. Now, the legalist, now every truth of God has a positive side and a negative side. Right? Every, every truth, there is a positive and a negative to it. And often it depends on the heart of the hearer. Often it depends on the, the person standing with God. But So when it comes to leaven, there is a positive side and a negative side. And the legalist just tends to run to the negative with it. They say it's all about sin, uh, that leaven is a type of sin, a shadow of sin. And what you're actually, we're going to find out, we're going to talk about this toward the end of this teaching, um, Leaven is not a type of sin. That is a false idea, and that is, that's just not correct. And we're going to look at the context of where people get that towards the end of the teaching, and you'll see uh, that, that that's not the case. But right out of the gate, let me just say, I'm going to give you the spoiler. But tune in for the rest of the teaching, but I'm going to go ahead and give you the spoiler. Uh, leaven is not a type of sin. All right? Every time it's used in the New Testament, it's referring to one of two things, and it's usually the second. But there are instances in the New Testament where leaven is referred to as how the kingdom of God works. right? And we're going to talk more about that, but that's the positive side. But then there's this, this negative side to it, and this is what we're really going to focus on today. And even though I say negative, we're going to, we're going to draw out of it a positive lesson. But then there's this other side to it where it's actually referring to an unrenewed mind. A mind that is not directing its life according to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. According to the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ. According to our qualification based on Christ's performance, not our own. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So leaven, let's start here. Leaven isn't mentioned in your Bible until Exodus 12. So so think about that. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Joseph, none of those guys leaven is ever mentioned, and there's a reason for that. Leaven wasn't discovered or, or began to be used until about 500 years before the Exodus. So about 100 years before Israel entered into Egypt, into slavery. Uh, About 100 years before that is when leaven was discovered. And guess who it was discovered by? It was discovered by the Egyptians. That's why God doesn't mention leaven in in the book of Genesis because it it wasn't around. and, And if it was around, it was towards the end when they were going into Egypt. So God doesn't mention leaven until Exodus 12 when he's about to draw out the children of Israel and deliver them out of out of Egypt. Now leavening, it's the process where dough is just fermented, right? And and what's interesting about that is fermentation, all fermentation is is decomposition. And decomposition is it's just decay and death. That, that's all that is. So this is why that's fascinating. A lot of the, the law, a lot of the Old Testament, is God making a distinction between life and death. Okay? So, uh, like, Egypt, they were obsessed with death. Okay, they were, um, you know, every time you watch a documentary or you see a picture of the, the, the tombs over in Egypt, you are reminded that Egypt, you know, ancient Egypt was obsessed with death. So for f- over 400 years, Israel spent time in this area that was just obsessed with with death. So a lot of the law is is God trying to make the distinction and bring that mindset of death out of Israel. For example, he's like, listen, if you're a priest, uh, if you touch a dead person, uh, you can't minister for you for so long, right? He's just there's this continual um, separation between life and death. So but we serve a God, Israel served a God who he's not obsessed with death, he's obsessed with life. Okay, life is, that's God. God is life. And, and contrary to religion, 
God isn't using death. Death isn't his friend. Uh, Paul gave us the revelation, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I think about verse 26, that the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. What's the lesson there? Enemy is a death, is a, is an death, excuse me, death is an enemy of God. Okay, so, so God brings up leaven to Israel in, in Exodus chapter 12. Now, why talk about leaven? And what's that got to do with the new year? What's that got to do with my heart? Now, we go by the Gregorian calendar, right? January through December. That's the Gregorian calendar. Now, Israel doesn't go by that calendar, right? They go by the Hebrew calendar. But um, they begin their year. Uh, biblically speaking, their year is to begin with uh, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, and, and if you guys remember back when, you know, all the shutdowns and everything was going on in 2020, um, I did like a six-week series online about the uh, a New Covenant Guide to Spiritual Warfare. And, and so I really went more into depth about what I'm about to say. But in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul lays out this truth that... Uh, in the Old Testament that the journey of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land is a type of the believer coming out of the world system uh, through their journey of the heart and into the land of abundance, into uh, this, this, this life where you are experiencing the promises of God, where you're filled with joy, where you're filled with hope, where you're filled with peace and self-control and all the fruit of the Spirit, where you've got health, where you've got abundance, where you've got provision. Right? He says that's the journey. Because, listen, there's this idea... You know, and and I I believe that the Bible is a, is is a book centered around Jesus. But you know, there, there's this idea of people say, well, everything's about Jesus. Every single thing, you, all you got to do is find Jesus in that type and that shadow, and you got it. You've got the purpose. Well, that's not what Paul said in First Corinthians ten. He says these things are written for us as an example, right? And that word example in the Greek is the word typos. And it's where we get our word type. So when we say something is a type, uh, we're literally saying it's an example. That it is, it's showing us that there's this correlation between that event and our life in some way. So Paul says, listen, the children of Israel's journey uh, out of Egypt into the promised land, that is a type of the new covenant believer's journey out of this world system into a land of rest, into the land of the new covenant, into the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. So, you know, like for example, Egypt, Egypt in, in that type represents the world. Pharaoh represents uh, the enemy. Um, Moses, he represents the church. Uh, Pharaoh, he represents Satan. And then Pharaoh's armies represents uh, demons and principalities and powers and all these things. So, therefore, just as Israel was delivered out of the slavery of Egypt, we've been delivered out of the bondage of the world and, and out of its way of, of thinking. So now we're on this journey to this, to this place of rest, to this place of joy, to this place of peace. Because listen, Canaan or the promised land is not a type of heaven. It's not. All right, that, that's, that's, we, we've got to get this idea. Now, I'm all for heaven. I preach on heaven quite often at our church. But heaven isn't the goal. All right, this life where we are experiencing everything that Jesus uh, uh, died for, uh, that's the goal, okay? And, and sadly for many of us, we're not going to get to experience it until we get to heaven because we've just got this unrenewed mind. But God's will for us is to enjoy the provision of the new covenant right here and right now. So, Let's go to Exodus chapter 12. Let's, let's get into some scripture here. Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to begin with verse 2. It says, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying... So this is how, uh, biblically speaking, Israel is supposed to start their year. All right? Saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. So now we know that Christ is our Passover. 
So we know that the, the symbolism in the lamb being sacrificed is representative of Jesus uh, dying on the cross for us. All right? So, but this is where most people stop. Most people stop right there. Or the legalist, but, but, or the legalist goes on. So as what we're going to read here is when he gives them the instructions for the Passover, correlated with that, they go hand in hand, is the feast of unleavened bread. And what the legalist does, and oh yeah, you get Jesus, but then you got to separate yourself from sin because they see leaven as a type of sin. Uh, that has nothing to do with it. Israel was not delivered. God didn't say, all right, put the, put the blood over the doorpost. And if everyone in the house is living right, if everyone in the house is following the Ten Commandments, which hadn't been given yet, but if everyone is, is doing exactly what they need to do, then the death angel will pass over them. No. That's not what it was. That's not what it was. He, he never mentions the behavior of the people inside the house. It's just the you put the blood up, you're going to be delivered. You're, you're, the death angel will pass over you, right? So, but in correlation is the feast of unleavened bread. So, so remember what I said. Leaven is a type of the unrenewed mind. It's a type of a mind that has yet to be transformed based on the truth of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. So let's just keep on reading here. Go down to about verse 14 in Exodus 12. It says, So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Seven, it's always a number of completion. Okay? Uh, on the first day, you shall remove leaven from your houses. That's a lesson that we want to get from this. For the seventh, that for whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, they only may be. That only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day through your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread. Until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses. No leaven. All right? Let's, let's keep reading there. Um, Since whoever eats what is leavened, the same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a stranger or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. So God's saying, listen, you can't eat leavened bread. If you eat leavened bread, remember under the old covenant, you're going to be cut off from your people. So that tells me that God took leaven very seriously. He, he did not want them eating leaven. Okay, so remember, let, let's ask ourselves, what is leaven? Now, the first place you always go when, when you're trying to figure something out in the Old Testament, the first place you go to figure out what it means for us now is Jesus. And I know that actually messes with some people. Some, some grace people say, no, you go to Paul because, you know, and I've taught on this before. But no, listen, grace and truth came by Jesus, not by Paul. Paul was a disciple of Jesus. We are called to be disciples of Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. All right, so the first place we go is Jesus. And what you will find 10 out of 10 times is Jesus and Paul are, are always in agreement. But let's go and let's see if Jesus ever addressed the subject of leaven. And that will tell us how we can apply it to our lives today. So, now, in a more positive sense, remember I said every truth has a positive and a negative sense to it. Now, that's a, that's a Hebrew idea. Um, now, in a positive sense, leaven actually represents how the kingdom of God works. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 13, verse 33. He said another parable. He spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All right, so the lesson here is that the nature of the kingdom is increase. Everywhere that the gospel is preached, taught, and believed in the heart, it works. 
All right, and a lot of people don't like that. You're saying it works. It's not so, it, it works. And what I mean is when I say it works is it brings forth the fruit. It brings forth fruit of joy. It brings forth fruit of peace. It brings forth fruit of salvation, of healings, of self-control, of provision, prosperity. All these things, wherever the gospel is preached, it will work. And I hear people say often, say, well, this, you know, if it, it's got to work in Africa, uh, you know, just the same as it does in America. The gospel does. Wherever it is preached and believed upon, it works. Why? Because the nature of the kingdom is increase. All right. And just as, as when you have leaven in a dough, uh, leaven in dough, it, it, it rises, it increases. Jesus said that's the way the kingdom is. Its nature is to increase. However, when we're looking at the Passover, when we're looking at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and, we're, and how they started off their new year, it's obvious that it's kind of in a negative sense, right? So, so we're not necessarily dealing with increase of the kingdom here, although there is a lesson for that. Uh, let's, see, let's see what Jesus said. A couple chapters later, Matthew chapter 16, and beginning with uh, verse 5. Jesus, it says here, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, listen here, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. They're thinking completely carnal. They're thinking of things in the natural. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or how or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, here we go, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, the word, don't let that throw you off, doctrine, right? People get so up in arms saying, okay, it's just, it's just mumbo-jumbo, technical, theological stuff. No. Doctrine is a word that simply means teaching. Okay, most newer translations that we have, they will use, uh, and rightly so, the, the word teaching. All right, so doctrine is just teaching. Um, and now here's the thing. Everything you believe in your heart is a result of what you've heard taught or, or what you've taught yourself. Okay, now it may come through life experiences. It may come behind a man or woman behind a pulpit. It may come through the television. One way or another, you've, you've, something has been taught to you. And what's been ta taught to you takes root in your heart. And it establishes what we call a belief. Belief is always of the heart. Knowledge is of the head, but beliefs are of the heart, right? That's why it says Romans 10, that if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, right? So faith and beliefs are of the heart. They're not of the head. That's information. That's knowledge. But beliefs, and here's the thing about beliefs. Beliefs, I call them your default setting. Uh, whatever is in your heart you will always default to. Um, so people can say, I, I, I know, I know, I know that we're healed. I, I know that Jesus has provided healing for us. But yet in their heart, they get a bad report and they panic, right? Because healing, they've got the information, but it's not really a belief in the heart. So we want to get the truth of God to be beliefs in our heart. We want to go from the information we're putting into our brain and we want to get that as a belief and a truth established in our heart. So, who is Jesus talking to here? He, he's talking to to twelve men who were religious Jews, right? So, so their way of thinking was, "Am I Pharisee or am I Sadducee?" Right? So, so Jesus was saying, "Listen, you need to completely forsake that." You need to get rid of that old way of thinking about God. You need to get rid of that um, old way of, of relating to God. And, and I'm calling you to something different. Now, he, in the Hebrew, the word home and house is synonymous with the heart. All right, so let's go back to, to the symbolism here. In Exodus 12, God says, Get all of 11, which we're saying is wrong beliefs, 
that you have, beliefs that are contrary to the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Any belief that you have that does not line up with the finished work of Jesus is leaven. All right? So Exodus 12, 12, God says, get all the leaven out of the house. And remember, in Hebrew, house, home are synonymous with heart. So he's saying you need to get all the false beliefs you have out of your heart. Anything that is established in your heart that is contradicted by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, you need to get it out of there. All right, and, and under the new covenant, it's not something we, we, we make happen. It's something we do with, with the help of the Spirit, with, with the Word of God, okay? So, so what we're saying is the, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the lesson that we get from that today is we need to, to rid our heart of all these false beliefs about God. We need to rid our heart of all these false beliefs about ourselves. We need to rid our heart of you know all all the ways that we view what's going on in this world we need to get rid of our way of thinking and adopt God's the the definition I give of repentance and I think I stole it from Dr. Jim Richards but it, it, it just means uh, to surrender your view and opinion in favor of God's that's all repentance is now that'll are, that are produce actions right right believing will always produce right actions but but we, we, that's at its core, we have to deal with the beliefs first. We have to deal with the way of thinking uh, first. So, so notice this. God tells Israel, you're going to be delivered by the blood of the Lamb. And then the next thing he does is tell them, you've you, you got to get all the yeast, or, you know, yeast leaven out of your house. Now, think about this. They no longer viewed God, speaking of the children of Israel, the way that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph viewed God. Well, how do you know? Well, one, you don't see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph struggling to believe God like Israel did uh, once they were in the wilderness. No matter what they seen, despite the fact that they had seen the, the plagues, despite the fact that they had walked through uh, the Red Sea on dry ground, they still struggled to believe God. Why? Because they had, had they adopted these views and these opinions about God that they got from Egypt. Um, their God began to look a lot like the gods of Egypt. It began their God began to look a lot like Pharaoh. He was a taskmaster. He was a slaveholder. But yet, that's not the revelation that Abraham had. That's not the revelation that Isaac and Jacob and Joseph had. So really what this was God doing was saying, okay, I've delivered you. Now you need to get these false beliefs about me out of your heart. You need to get them out of your home. You need to, we got to deal with this. We, we have to do something about this. So it, it's the same type for us today. Many of us, uh, we, 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 God delivers us out of this world system from the bondage of the enemy. And on this journey that we're all on, a lot of us forget to renew our mind. And we still have the idea about God that the world has. We still have the idea about God that legalism has, that traditions have. But yet what God is calling us to do is for, to forsake all of those beliefs, to forsake all of those thoughts, and to adopt His opinion about things, to, 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 to believe in the God that has been revealed through Jesus. All right, That's what He's calling us to do. Um, because many of us, we still believe in the God the world believes in. The, the world believes in a God that is unpredictable, right? He, he, there, there's, there's acts of God, and it's where your homes are destroyed. And we just, we just have these false views of God that's not the God that is revealed in the person, in the light, in the life of Christ. All right? So we need to deal with that. We, we need to get those things out. And then a lot of us have views of ourselves. That is not what God says about us. We still go around and we say, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And God never says that. Jesus never says that. Paul never says that. Peter never says that. But yet we've heard it. We've heard it through traditions. We've heard it through legalism. We've heard it through uh, well-meaning people. But yet... We, we don't forsake that thought. We, we don't go through this transformation. And what happens is, because we've adopted this identity, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace, guess what we do? We sin, but yet 
we claim we're saved by grace. I'm not saying we're not saved by grace. I'm just saying that's kind of like our way out to shirk responsibility for that thing. Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. What do sinners do? They sin. All right, so so we, we, we've got to get rid of these false identities as well. So that's, the, that's what it means to get the leaven out of our house. We want to get these false beliefs out of our heart. And if we'll do that, we'll have the best year of our lives. Because... Every year, like I said at the beginning, people start with all this hope. They start with all this ambition. They start with all these goals. And what happens is, uh, it, it's usually just a matter of hours, but some people make it days and weeks. And if you're lucky, you might make it a month or two. Uh, you go right back to the, to, to the way the year was before. Why? Because you've not dealt with the beliefs of your heart. And the beliefs of your heart are your default settings. Um I'll give you an example. My, my wife and I, we, we often uh, heard more than me, like, well, you know, counseling, uh, you know, just women who have relationship struggles and, and relationship troubles. And because they have a low value and a low self-esteem, we find that they continue to be drawn to men who don't treat them well, who are mean to them, who don't value them. And what is the root of that? The root is they don't value themselves. So they'll get out of a relationship, but they go right back to a man who is very much like the other one. Why? The default setting, the false belief in their heart about who they are. So we got to deal with these things. If we, if we don't deal with these things, uh, 2022 is just going to be, be like 2021. And 2021 was just like 2020. And 2020 was just like 2019, you know what I mean? On and on and on. And we find ourselves in this trap where nothing is changing. We look up and we've been struggling with the same thing for 20 years, even though we've been delivered by the blood of the Lamb, we've still got some leaven in our house. We've still got some yeast in the house, right? And we need to get rid of it, all right? So, and let me say this. I'm not speaking of religious introspection. All right. Legalism is really heavy on continuously looking within and finding all this sin, finding all this darkness, finding all these bad thoughts. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, you know, because we need to spend more time looking to Jesus than we do looking within. If you're going to look within, go so far within that you see the Spirit that you see who you truly are, that you see yourself as, see yourself as righteous, holy, justified uh, in Him. All right, so if you're going to go within, go as deep as you can go to that place where you're, in, you're united with Christ. But listen, if you just look at all the bad about you, all you're going to produce is more bad. All right, what you look at, it's the spiritual law of beholding. Whatever you behold, you become. And as we look at him, we're transformed into that same image. All right, so we're not talking about religious introspection. We're not talking about finding all the bad things about you, all the bad things you do, all the bad things you think. Um, that's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about, let me, let me put it this, this, this is the most simple way I can put that. What is some fruit in your life that you don't like? What is that one thing you do that you can't figure out why you do it? You hate it. What is that one way of thinking that you're like, why can't I get rid of these thoughts? Well, what is that fruit in your life that you don't like? Whatever it is, it, it, may, be, um, it may be an action, right? It may be something you do, but we have to understand every fault, every sin, every mistake, every negative action is the result of unbelief in some form. Alright, and unbelief is just simply a belief that doesn't line up with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. It's just a, a belief that doesn't line up uh, with the finished work of Jesus. So whatever the fruit is that you see in your life that you don't like, ask God. Say, God, what's the root issue here? Why have I been struggling with this? Why was my 2021 just like my 2020? Uh, and why am I, you know, what are we, 16 days in, into 2022? Why am I 16 days in and I'm still struggling with it, even though on December 31st I, I made a commitment that I wasn't going to struggle with this, right? And what God will do is in a loving way, He will show you what that form of unbelief is. He will show you that false belief that you have 
that is causing you to keep going back to your default setting. That's causing you to continue go to the same types of wrong people. That's causing you to make the same bad choices that you make every year. That's causing you to eat those same things you eat that that you hate, right? That that's bringing negative results in your life. The this Holy Spirit, He will show you these things, and what you got to do then is you got to figure out, all right, what's this false belief I have, and what's the truth, and then you need to replace that false belief with that truth. See, the Pharisees that they they were only concerned with behavior modification. They were only concerned with the actions. So what I'm talking about this morning isn't behavior modification. I I don't want to just see you modify your behavior. I want you to experience transformation. And transformation is of the heart. It's not of the head. It's not of you doing right. Because listen, this is, you know, this is what Jesus done so well. You know, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were feeling really good about their ability to keep the law and, and all the commandments. And you know what? Maybe they did do a pretty good job of keeping those commandments outwardly. But Jesus came along and he said, listen, you've got the outside of the cup real clean, but on the inside it's filthy. All right. Jesus brought things back to the heart level. And, and, and Jesus... So like he said, listen, you've done a really good job not committing adultery, but have you ever lusted for after a woman? Have you ever lusted after a woman in your heart? That's that's adultery. Have you've done a real good job of not killing anybody, not murdering anybody, but have you ever hated your brother in your heart? That's murder. Right? God Jesus brought the issue back to the heart. And so when we see this bad fruit in our lives, the issue is the heart. And, and I know people, there's people like, well, God gave us a new heart when he saved us. Well, I can get into the technical jargon here, right? But, but here's one for you. Ephesians 3 talks about being rooted and grounded in the love of God that Christ might dwell in your heart. He's referring to believers here. So even though it's true when we get born again, we're given a new heart, what often happens is that heart becomes hardened. That heart, and that heart becomes uh, just, just bruised. It becomes injured. Just life happens. Beliefs are adopted, and our heart becomes injured. Our heart becomes broken. Our heart becomes sick, right? God is still dwelling within us, right? But, but Christ isn't necessarily... Um, making his home in our heart because we've got all these false beliefs. We've got all these wrong ideas about him. But that's another subject for another day. Now, Luke takes this a little bit further. When, 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 where Matthew uh, shared with us what Jesus meant by the leaven of the Pharisees, or, yeah, meant by the leaven of uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, um, listen what Luke says. Luke quotes Jesus saying, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. All right. Now, when you think of hypocrisy, I used to think of hypocrisy as somebody who's claiming to be saved, but they're really not. Um, well, that can be true, but that's that's not the case most of the time. Uh, a lot of religion and legalism is hypocrisy because people are just pretending to be something that they aren't. They're pretending to not struggle with something that they do. Okay. Hypocrisy, and it's the Greek word hypocrisis, all right? And it has two meanings that I find so interesting. It means deceit and condemnation. That I find that so interesting. Now, deceit is any belief that we have that contradicts the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, right? That's if, if you believe anything, for example, if you believe, I'm going to bring it to something practical, if you believe that God wants you poor, if you believe that God wants you sick or you believe that God, you know, you pray for healing, you know he can heal, but he might not, that is deceit. That is a false belief. It doesn't line up with the life, the teachings, and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So it's a false belief. You have to get that leaven out of the house of your heart. All right. So that's deceit. But the other definition is condemnation. All right. Condemnation is the more subtle form, I think. And what what you will find out when you find these false beliefs that you have, when when you look and you, you see this fruit that you have that you don't want, um, you'll be surprised how much of it is actually just condemnation. That that you're you're actually just struggling with condemnation. And here's the thing about condemnation: condemnation will keep you in a cycle of failure. Have you ever noticed those things that you do 
And when you do it, you beat yourself up. You feel so awful over it. Have you noticed those are often the things you keep doing? You keep struggling with? Why? Because condemnation, it, it has roots. And the when you feel condemned about something, it shows that, listen, you're dealing with something of the heart and you're still attached to this thing. You have to get rid of that condemnation. You have to renew your mind to who you are and what Jesus has made you and what he's done for you. You have to, you can't be the soil. Your heart cannot be the soil that condemnation grows in. You, you have to, you, that's a weed that you have to pluck out because if you have that condemnation, Man, that thing just—that thing's gonna be harder to get rid of. So here, here's one way to find out a false belief you have. What are you condemned about? Whatever it is that you're condemned about, that is a sign that you have a false belief in that area in some form. Okay. Um, now we're about to wrap up here. Give me about ten more minutes. I want to talk about the idea because. There, there, I thought, until I really began studying this out, I always assumed that leaven was a type of sin. It's what I've always read in books. It's what I've always heard people minister, that leaven is a type of sin. And, and Israel getting rid of leaven was a type of us needing to get all the sin out of our life, right? Well, they get that. Well, we've already brought out how Jesus only used it to refer to the growth of the kingdom, the nature of the kingdom, which is increased, and then he used it referring to the doctrine or the teaching or the beliefs of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So how can I say that leaven isn't a type of sin? Well, it only comes from, that idea comes from one portion of Scripture, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to find out here that Paul was not talking about sin. All right, so let's look up here. It says, it is actually reported that there... So Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. They got something going on here. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such, such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father, father's wife. So, uh, you know, scholars kind of disagree. Is it his mother-in-law? Is it his mother? Or not mother-in-law, uh, but his, his stepmother or his mother? It seems like it's his stepmother. But this man is having sexual relations with his father's wife. All right? And, and Paul saying, he's like, listen, the, the, uh, the, the, the unbelievers don't even, won't even do this stuff. That, that, that uh, one of you guys are doing. So he says, That a man has his father's wife, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed is absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present uh, him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And I know you guys are going to want me to teach on that, but I'm not going to teach on <laughs> teach on all that. Uh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And here we go. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So people say right there, see, he's the leaven is the actions, the sin of this man. And Paul was saying, if you don't deal with the sin of this man, it's going to spread like leaven. All right. And I used to, I used to view, I used to view it that way. I used to agree with that. But we're missing the context, right? If notice what Paul says right before he says that, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lot? So the leaven in this case isn't the the sin of the man. The leaven is the attitude of the church towards the situation. It's the attitude of the church towards the man. Because their view was, uh, you know, hey, we, we were, we're saved by grace. We're, you know, we're made right by faith. We're, we're the righteous God in Christ Jesus. This dude's sleeping with his, with his stepmother. Hey, man, that's cool. You know, we're, we're saved. We're good. And Paul's saying, listen, that, 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 and, and the church was using it to say, look, we welcome everybody. See, this man, he's our trophy of what we allow, of who we allow in our church. And Paul's saying, listen, that's leaven. Why? Remember what leaven is. Leaven is a false belief of, uh, that is contrary to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So the leaven wasn't the sin. The leaven was their attitude and their belief about the situation. All right? So um, 
let me bring this out, and this this will make this a little bit more clear. The the in the Hebrew, uh, most you know Hebrew words have three Hebrew letters that make up that word, and you can read about each one of those letters, and it will teach you something about that word. So the word leaven uh, in the Hebrew it is spelled shin, aleph, resh. All right. Now I won't go into shin and aleph. But I do want to talk about resh. Now, one of the meanings of resh is it's referring to the responsibility of leadership. All right. So the the idea here, and this is what Paul is getting at to Corinth here, it is especially important for us as pastors, for us as teachers, for us as leaders, uh, parents, uh, teacher, you know, school teachers. It is especially important for us as leaders, especially in the body of Christ, though, to deal with our leaven to get the leaven out of our heart, to get the false beliefs about uh, life, about God, out of our heart. Why? Because we feed people the bread that we eat. What we believe in our heart, that's what we feed to other people. All right. So if you have false beliefs about God, if you have false beliefs about uh health and sickness, if you have false beliefs about who you are and your identity, you will preach that and share that with other people. You will literally feed people your own deception. You will literally feed people your own condemnation. Have you ever noticed, listen, anytime I hear a preacher and he's condemning people, I know that that man or woman is living in condemnation because we feed the people what we ourselves are eating. All right, And so, so the, the lesson in the Hebrew there is, listen, leaders, you need to deal with your leaven. You need to get this leaven out of your heart. You need to get these false beliefs out of your heart because what's going to happen if you don't? You're going to teach it to others, and that leaven is going to leaven the whole lump. So Paul is correcting the church in Corinth here, and he's saying, listen, you've got to deal with this. And read on here, uh, verse 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven. Purge out this old way of thinking. He wasn't saying purge out that man, right? Even though the, the, the solution he gives them is, listen, stop fellowshipping with him, right? But he's saying here, get rid of that old way of thinking that you may be a new lump. Listen here, since you truly, in the spirit man, you're unleavened. This isn't your way of thinking. This isn't the mind of Christ. This doesn't line up with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. This, this has nothing to do with the finished work. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. All right? Not with, or Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven. Let us keep the feast, but not with these old beliefs about God, not with these old beliefs about ourselves, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Remember, these things begin in the heart. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So there we see unleavened bread is truth. So the feast of unleavened bread for us as the new cov as new covenant believers is the feast of of truth. We are feasting on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We are feasting upon His finished work. We are feasting upon our identification with Him. We are feasting on who He has made us. We are feasting upon who we are in the Spirit. We are feasting upon all the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ. We are feasting upon a God that is good and only good. A God that brings us abundant life. That is what we are feeding upon. That's what we're feasting upon, not malice and wickedness. Not, well, God is unpredictable. Not, well, maybe God will, maybe God won't. Not, maybe I'm saved, maybe I'm not. Not, if I do this, I'm going to hell. That's not what we feast upon. We feast upon the truth about who Jesus is, what He done, and who we are in Him. If we can get these false beliefs we have about God and ourselves and life, We'll have our best year yet. But we have to deal with the heart. So, finishing up here. Just as doing this, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, prepared Israel for their journey out of slavery uh, into the Promised Land. Um, so, it prepares us to enter into everything that Christ has provided for us to enter into His joy, to enter into His peace, 
to enter into his self-control, to enter into the, being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, to enter into obedience, to enter into holiness. But those, those are results of the beliefs of our heart. How do you know that Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I want to read it this way, because we're talking about this is a New Year message. I want to talk about it this way. I want to read it this way. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your year. It will the guard your heart because its beliefs will determine your 2022. So this morning, what's in your heart? You know, what what is it? What's the fruit in your life that you don't like, that you don't want? that you're tired of dealing with. Um, ask God to reveal that to you. And then ask Him, what is the belief that you need to replace that with? You know, Paul made transformation this simple. Put off the old man, put on the new man. And when you look that up in the Greek, that's just that's, that's like, it's, it's referring to like clothes. So Paul looked at transformation as easy as putting off one thing, putting on another. But for too many of us, we just keep trying to put something off. Right, but we never put something else on. No, you have to replace uh, the false beliefs you have with the truth. Right, you have to replace the deceit with the truth. You have to replace the condemnation with righteousness. Okay, and and if we can do these things, I'm telling you, these struggles that we've had for years, you'll just one day you, you won't even be concerned with them. You'll just look up one day and you'll be like, listen, it's been it's been days, weeks months, years since I've done those things, since I've had those thoughts, since I've struggled with that, since I've went here, since I've went there, since I've talked to that person, since all of these things. Transformation is supposed to be effortless. Transformation is not supposed to be hard. And when you deal with the beliefs of your heart, transformation just comes. Transformation just happens. And it's the result of you of you allowing God to help you deal with your stuff. And I say I'm stuff. Remember, I'm not talking about sin, but the unbelief that results in that sin. The unbelief that results in those bad choices. The unbelief that results in those bad friendships, bad relationships. Right? It's all about the beliefs of our heart. God is a heart God. And He deals with us uh, through and by our heart and your life, your 2022, your year, uh, it's going to flow with the beliefs of your heart. So guys, I hope this has blessed you this morning.